Small pepperoni, olives, extra cheese with garlic bread. Always the same for 62 West Garson Drive, but today it wasn't the same. Do you feel it? Do you smell the foul corruption? The raspy voice came unexpectedly from my shoulder. No. Beware, Murph Murdoch, for in that house waits death. Middle-aged man with the thick glasses and a curly gray streaked mop of hair peeked furtively through a curtain and quickly disappeared again. It had been the same since I began driving for Paul's Family Pizza nine months ago. The order, the peeking, the sliding through the door to pay on the porch, the man always called me Jay despite the patch with my name on it. Does this not make you suspicious, Murph Murdoch, sensitive as you are to the patterns of ritual? <sighs> No, bile drinker, it doesn't seem suspicious. I mean, there's a woman in East Camford who orders a small garlic bread the second any snowstorm hits six inches. That is not my name, Murph Murdoch. I have done my duty. A pop, sulfur, pizza delivery. That night, the coven met at Ruben's place. Spill ran the session... Ruben always hosts, and I brought pizza and drinks because Chad's a goddamn mooch. Before we started the game, we went through the motions. Spill chanted half-heartedly to Ruben on his left. What magic have you wrought since we last met? I did a charm on this girl at the library, and she gave me her number. What magic have you wrought since we last met? The question was for Chad. I got a free game of pinball at Charlie's after I scratched a pentagram on the coin slot. What magic have you wrought since we last met? For me, stumped because I hadn't really been doing much magic that week. I said the incantation of empowerment every morning and got way more tips than normal on Tuesday. What magic had- Come on, that doesn't count. You didn't get tips because you said the incantation. You do that every day. I said the words and I got the tips, okay? Did I interrupt you when you said your dumb crap about pinball? I made like 30 extra bucks. How many games of pinball is that? The right went on uninterrupted. Spill told us about his partner letting his familiar feed on their blood before going on stage and playing a killer set. We chanted the parting spell and got out our dice. I told the group what Bile Drinker said about the house and the guy who ordered the same pizza every time. Ruben piped up through a mouthful of Supreme. I, I don't buy it. I mean, I order the same thing every time. Yeah, man, your familiar's just being a dick. Bog Myrtles is spooky shit like that all the time. I leveled up, and Chad's guy got killed by a poison gas trap. Spill told us about how he was going to work a spell into a rift to get a paid show. Afterward, we all went out on the porch while Chad and Spill had a smoke. Well, let us know if Bile Drinker was right. I won't know for a while. The guy only calls once a month. On the same day? I don't think so. Yeah, like I said, a dick. Next month, I went back to West Carson to drop off the small pepperoni, olives, extra cheese, and garlic bread. I pull up behind a rusted-out purple Ford Ranger and Bile Drinker hissed in my ear again. Surely you feel it now. Smell it even. I can't tell if anything's up because you're giving me the creeps. 
As always, the guy poked his thick glasses through a crack in the curtain. Something was different, though. The man was wearing a hat like you picture a geezer wearing on a fishing trip. He stepped out onto the porch like always, but when he did, a cold November breeze tore through the neighborhood and this huge rush of leaves came over the porch. The wind caught the fishing hat and knocked it off the guy's head. He left it in the opposite end of the porch where it landed, but panic sank into his eyes. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. The door slammed in my face, but not before I caught a glimpse of the back of the man's head while he tried to slip away. Clearly, he'd been in some sort of accident, because the top of his skull was caved in, exposing blood, bone, and even some pinkish-gray beneath. He couldn't have still been standing, yet there he was. In the car, Bile Drinker came back. Well, Murph Murdoch? I think you were. Yes! I might have assumed... I'm listening, Murph Murdoch. Something's bonkers in there, alright? You were right. And what should you do when something is, as you say, bonkers? <sighs> With a groan, I got out of the car. The steps creaked as I made my way back onto the porch. The stillness hung in the air, and for a second, I thought I could actually smell something wrong. I banged on the door. No answer. I banged again. Nothing. So I walked around the house and peeked in the windows, but all of them had the thick, moldy shades drawn tight. There was a basement window and a cement frame, so I put my head into the hole and looked through. Out of the cobwebs and dust came a blue light. I saw gray-streaked hair and someone tied to the table. There was a pleading cry, a gurgling scream, then silence. The locked front door was solid wood, but there was a curtain window next to it. I smashed the glass, banging on it with the handle of my pocket knife. It wasn't quiet. A bone-shaking cold gripped my hand as I reached through to search for a bolt, and I recoiled. Murph Murdoch, what can be done about such cold and stagnation? Jesus, bile drinker, don't lecture me! I spat and then cut my hand with a knife. From pit to hand, send now the cleansing fire. Inside the house, the kitchen was entirely bare. Empty cabinets hung open like ransacked crypts. Doors led to a dining room and a parlor, each of which was covered in a thick layer of dust. The interior rooms were even colder, almost overwhelming despite my conjured flame. In the back of the dining room, a small door was ajar. Blue light flickered from it. I opened it just enough to step through and saw the man bent over the body on the slab. Watching his channels in the stone led blood from cuts on the throat, wrists, and legs into an ornate bronze bowl. As I descended, I could hear the man muttering under his breath. Go away. Go away. Why won't you just fucking leave? Are you talking to me? Focus. Deal with it after. I stepped off the stairs and into the basement, making the sign of the horns at the man with the caved-in skull and squeezing another drop from my hand into the open jaws of Bile Drinker, who is now clinging to my Paul's pizza jacket. No, I think we'll do this now. Stand, sorcerer, and look me in the eyes. Having chanted earnestly and sealed the spell with sacrifice, the man had no choice. He turned, quivering, and taking off his thick glasses. The eyes beneath were hard and lifeless, gray as weathered granite. You're all wrong! You've played your part already! You've ruined me with your interloping! Even as he said this, a festering blackness spread through the wound on his head and overtook his body. Granite eyes shrank and turned to dust as paper skin tightened on ancient bones. The sorcerer collapsed in a heap of inconspicuous middle-class clothing. Well, Murph Murdoch, aren't you glad you took my advice? I looked around at the ruins of the ritual that had kept sorcerer around for, well, 
who knows how long. The accursed wreck of his frame, the body on the slab, and me with a cut hand and no tip to show for it. <sighs> no, not really. So there I was, sitting in the library on a Friday night as usual, working up the courage to go over to her. Most everyone else had left, no doubt running off to pursue the start of the weekend. I made my move. Excuse me, miss? Hmm? Oh, what can I help you with, Ruben? Well, the, the library closes in 15 minutes, and uh, I was just wondering if maybe you'd like to... I'm sorry, can you hold on? Yeah, sure thing. Anthem Public Library, how can I help you? We actually do have I watched her fiddle around with her glasses as she spoke on the phone. Very softly under my breath, I began speaking the words to a charm I learned from the Eros Magnifica. It is not the salt I turn to fire, but the heart of the woman I seek. Let her have no peace of mind until she comes to me. It is not salt I turn to fire, but the heart of the woman... Thank you. Goodbye. What were you saying? Hmm? Oh, uh, I, I wasn't saying anything at all. Just, uh, you know, breathing. No, before the call. You were asking me something? The library is closing. Maybe I'd like to... Oh, right. Well, I, I was just going to ask, since you're closing, um, would you like to uh, g give me a book recommendation for over the weekend? Oh, yeah. Well, I really enjoy the classics. Ever read The Great Gatsby? No, but that sounds great. G Gatsby. <laughs> well, here you go. I just so happen to have a copy right here. Enjoy. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. As I walked home later that night, I kept thinking about how close I was. The charm would definitely be stronger if only I had a familiar. Murph and Spill both got theirs, Bile Drinker and Bog Myrtle. They said after they performed the binding ritual, nothing happened at first, but their familiars ended up showing up when they needed them the most, or whatever that means. I got home later than usual and sent a message to the rest of the coven. They talked for a while in the living room while I stayed distracted over the day's events. For once, I hardly had an appetite, and Chad had already eaten most of the medium supreme Murph had brought from work, knowing it's my favorite. What do I need to hear from you all night? What took you so long, nerd? Striking out at the library again? Lay off him, Chad. Grab Slice, Reuben, before he uses his magical gut to make the whole pizza disappear. Hey, did you ever have any luck with that girl who uh, gave you her number last week? Yeah, how'd your charm work? Well, I called the number the next day, and it was a hotline for compulsive masturbators. <laughs> Some sorcerer you turned out to be. Can't keep your hands off your wand, huh? <laughs> yeah, should have noticed it was a friggin' 1-800 number. Better luck next time, Casanova. We ready? It was Murph's turn to start off the incantation. His voice took on a strange guttural tone as he spoke to Spill, who was on his left. What magic hath he wrought since we last met? I use the power of blast beats and bog myrtle to land my band a paid show. What magic hath you wrought since we last met? This was Chad's turn. I scratched out the shop in the shop and save sign and replaced it with shit and their septic system backed up. And 
I got to go home early. What magic hath you wrought since we last met? It was my turn, and I felt beads of hot sweat prickling my forehead. I hadn't actually performed any magic since I got that girl's number. Or didn't, rather. Guys, I don't really know. What magic hath you wrought since we last met? Well, I did the damn binding ritual for the third time to try to summon a familiar, I brewed a potion to strengthen my magical prowess, and I tried to charm on a hot librarian tonight to invite her to grab some dinner with me. And let's see. No familiar, I threw up the potion on my desk, and I ended up going home with the Great Gatsby, which I read in middle school. What magic have you wrought since we last met? Baldrank and I used the cleansing fire to break his spell and enter the house on West Gerson Street and stop a necromancer from performing a life-sustaining ritual on a dead body which caused him to wither and disintegrate before my eyes. What? <laughs> Dude, why didn't you tell us sooner? I don't know. Figured I would save it for the incantation. That's incredible. Were you scared? No. Mostly annoyed the bow drinker wouldn't shut up about it until we investigated. He keeps insisting I build prestige as a sorcerer, or whatever that means. I call bullshit. If you really found a dead body, you would have called the pigs, and you'd be in jail right now. I did call the cops. They came and checked out the basement and then let me go. They what? They didn't even question you? Dude, you suck at lying. I hate to say it, but Chad has a point. I think the cops would have to question you if you're the only one at the scene of a crime. I don't know. I told them I had a bunch more deliveries to make and they asked me to stay quiet about all this until after the investigation was finished. Then they let me walk. It was good they did too because Bile Drinker could barely contain his excitement. He scratched up my leg pretty bad fluttering around in my pant leg. You and Spill are lucky to have such awesome familiars. Maybe Bile Drinker charmed them or something. After Spill had a smoke break, we picked up where a session had left off the week before. Chad had to re-roll a new character, which was terrible, because his new character was a gnomish gunslinger with a nasally French accent. Everyone had leveled up last week, so this week I was able to catch up with them, as well as find a new masterwork staff underneath the desk of an evil elvish professor. The game concluded with Spill throwing one of his specially designed homebrew bosses at us. The dodecahedron of despair. You all feel the ground tremble beneath you, and suddenly there is an explosion from the floor. Through the dust and debris, you can see a faint object glowing with muted shades of pink rise from a hole in the floor. When the dust settles, you see a floating geometric shape. The mere sight of the object fills your hearts and minds with a hopeless futility as it begins to drift towards you all. And that's where we'll end this week's session. Uh, what the hell, I can't man? You're leaving us like that. Are we gonna need to make will saves? Most definitely. That is one sad geometric oddity. Yes, I get bonuses to will saves. Everyone packed up their dice and character sheets, and Murph and Spill helped with the cleanup. Chad tossed a see-ya over his shoulder on his way out, and he was the first to leave. Murph and Spill reassured me about my lack of a familiar, and reminded me to be patient and wait for when the time was right. I said goodnight to the others and watched them get into their cars and drive away. I stood in the kitchen for a while, thinking about what they had said. The house creaked noisily around me. As I was washing the dishes, I felt the cold draft across the back of my neck. It suddenly felt as if the air had become charged. I could feel goosebumps prickle my arms. I nearly dropped the mug I was washing at the sound. I had a sick feeling in my stomach. The rest of the coven never knocked, and nobody else I know has ever visited me. Especially not after midnight. Who is it? Anthem Police Department. Open up now. 
Um, are you sure you're at the right house? Open up, or we'll be forced to break down the door. Aw, oh, jeez, okay, okay, give me a second with the friggin' locks. Standing in the doorway was an enormous police officer. He stood almost a full head above the other two flanking him, who wore stern frowns upon their faces. The large man had a vacant look on his face and a lifelessness in his steely blue eyes. A frigid breeze wafted into the room and extinguished the candles and incense the coven had lit earlier in the night. What can I do for you, officer? Sir, are you... alone in here tonight? I mean, yeah, I had some friends over earlier, but they left about an hour ago. May we come inside? It's very chilly outside tonight. The odd trio of officers stared at me, awaiting my response. The sick feeling in my stomach grew. I noticed there wasn't a police vehicle out front, and I could have sworn there was something off about their dingy navy uniforms. Still, the blue eyes of the large man searched my face for a response, and before I knew it, I found myself opening the door wider, admitting them entrance. Uh, of course, officers. Please, come in. Good boy. The three pushed past me and began unceremoniously turning over my entire living room as if they were searching for someone or something. Hey, easy with that stuff. Where are your friends now? Listen, I haven't done anything. Can you please tell me what's going on? I saw the large officer gesture to one of the smaller two and immediately the officer grasped me with both hands by the shirt. His face was mere inches from mine, our eyes level. I watched as the officer's blue irises became swallowed and enveloped by the growing blackness of his pupils. We're not fucking around, kid. Do you even know who you're dealing with? I could have your skin turned inside out and your mouth filled with your own shit in a matter of seconds and you don't give us what we want. I tried to turn my head away from those evil eyes, but a second later the other officer had their hands on my head, forcing me to look. The face began twisting and contorting like a bad acid trip. Flashes of lizard-like skin, followed by peeling orange flesh, then gouts of black fur and grizzled snout, then back to the vaguely human face with the evil eyes now fully blackened. The fingers of the hands of the officer forcing my head into place morphed into ebony claws as sharp and as hard as obsidian, and they squeezed so strongly that ten small spurts of blood erupted from my face where their claws had dug in. Ow, 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 okay, 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 stop it, stop hurting me, I don't know anything. Doesn't look like anyone else is here. We better keep moving. Whatever you do, make sure to leave a message with this whelp's body. Sure thing, boss. Hey, kid, ready to die? No, no, not at all, stop it. I tried to close my eyes, but two sharp claws pulled them back open. My eyes flooded with tears as somehow the monster in front of me drew closer to my face. Oddly enough, I became fixated on a strange smell that wasn't there before. Smoke. Sulfur. Brimstone. Suddenly, I heard an odd voice in my head. Wait. Do any of you smell that? Ew. I think this kid shit himself. Yes. Wait, seriously? You shit yourself? Yes, I'm ready! Here we go! Suddenly, from behind me came a loud pop. The smell was overwhelming, but it reminded me of Bile Drinker and Bog Myrtle on the occasions that I had seen them. The two officers gripping me immediately let go and stumbled backwards with a look of surprise on their faces. They began fumbling to grasp something on their belts. Finally! Stand back, Reuben! These two are heavily armed! 
The voice behind me grunted, and I watched the two officers' arms went straight down to their sides. Their mouths went wide for a moment before twisting into painful, choking grimaces. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but I watched as their arms began to rotate in their shoulder sockets. Faster and faster, the arms rotated in place, filling the room with the sound of the grotesque snapping of ligaments and tendons. Suddenly, the arms stopped rotating. Then all at once, I watched as they were pulled downwards to the floor violently, tearing off its shoulders. And now, come up! <laughs> Blood shot from the empty sockets on either side of the officers, and I watched as they began to change shape. They no longer resembled police, or even humans, cycling through vaguely animalistic creatures and unspeakable pulpy nightmares. One of them staggered forward and was suddenly thrown backwards into the other as it crashed through the wall and into the kitchen. Through the now gaping hole I saw the bodies of the two monsters convulse before turning into piles of glowing white ash. I felt something small perch itself on my shoulder and a scaly tail coiled around the back of my neck. I turned my head and looked and saw Body Render for the first time. He was small, about the size of a teacup chihuahua and covered in scales of dull gold. He looked somewhat reptilian and yet with a humanoid proportion and facial features. Atop his head were three pointed horns, the center being onyx and the others being a dark purplish color I'd never seen before. He laced his tiny fingers and cracked them. All right, just one more to go. What do you think, big guy? Do you want your skin turned inside out and your mouth filled with your own shit or what? The large man, still dressed as a police officer, hesitated for a moment as if considering a hellish rebuke of his own before glancing at the hole in the wall and the four small ash piles that were once arms. He scowled and shook his head. Those two took a long time to train. Next time, we won't underestimate you lot. We'll be watching, Reuben. Tell your friends. The man turned to face the outer wall and began walking as if there was an exit. When he reached it, he simply passed through it and disappeared. Hey, wait! Who are you guys? He's gone, kid. That's some powerful magic. Say... Do us both a favor and don't invite strangers into your home. A lot of these creeps can't enter a private dwelling without permission. That goes for cops, too, now that I think about it. You saved me back there. You're familiar, right? I've been summoning you for ages. Yeah, believe me, I know. You only have to perform the binding ritual once, but I've got to say, I've had a blast watching you this last month. See... Once the binding ritual is performed, a familiar like me sits and waits for the right opportunity to arrive. It can be as mundane as a stuck pickle jar, or, well, something like this. Oh, so you've been watching me this whole time? Yep. Like, all the time? Yep. Maybe you should give that number you got another call sometime. Uh, yeah, uh, I... I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, thanks, you, thanks for saving me back there. Of course. My soul is now tethered to yours until you perish. I have a feeling that we're going to do some great things together. So, are you ready to start the next chapter of your magical journey? Yes. Let's do it. Great. Before that, though, I do have another idea that might help you out. I stared at the gray slabs of cracked concrete that made up the sidewalk, wringing my clammy hands together nervously. I tried to take a couple deep breaths as I stopped walking just outside the library. As I looked at the building, I felt my stomach roiling like a dying eel. 
Robin. You've come all this way. It's go time. Get in there and make us both proud. I can't do this body render. I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm going to say something stupid. Just remember what we talked about and be yourself. You don't need magical assistance to demonstrate your value. If it works out, you know she likes you for who you are. And not because of some silly incantation you picked up in a two-cent grimoire. And if it doesn't work? Then you know she doesn't like you. And that's okay, too. Plenty of other humans on the mortal plane. I'm right there with you, buddy. Now get in there! Okay, let's do this. Oh, Reuben, aren't you in early this morning? Did you already finish Gatsby? Yes, I did. I finished it in eighth grade. It wasn't part of a class or anything. I just liked the cover. I borrowed the book because I wanted to ask you out to dinner, but I got nervous you were going to say no, and so I panicked and asked for a recommendation, and you gave me this, and so I took it, but the truth is I think you're so pretty, and you're always nice to me when you don't have to be, and I don't know much about you, but I think about you often, and I wish I had the chance to know what your favorite foods are, what your dreams are, and where you like to go on vacation or anything, and I'm sorry if I'm being forward, but I was hoping you'd join me for dinner tonight so we could have that opportunity to learn more about you, and maybe you'd like to learn more about me too, I don't know. Ruben. Or if you don't, we could talk about the weather, or you could tell me how you ended up in Anthem as a librarian. Or, I mean, do you have to go to school to be a librarian? I don't even know. See, there's plenty I have to learn still about libraries. Reuben! I stopped talking and caught my breath. She looked at me and smirked for a moment before looking down and taking off her glasses. I'd love to. How does Paul's at six sound? It sounds magical. <laughs>